When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Melissa Rivers, and welcome to Group Text. Stay tuned for a new episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Group Text. You guys don't know how lucky you are today. So, does anyone realize how lucky they are today with our guest? Oh, they have no idea. But guess what? You're what? about to tell them. I am. Joining <laughs> us is a man about town who goes by the name Jason Salarnas, Senior VP of Development at TLC. Now, this is why it's special. Jason is the one. We've known each other for a thousand years. And Jason actually is the person that brought my mom and I back to E!, after we had left for TV Guide. So he owns a, has a huge space in my heart, in all of our hearts, and was, is, was, was, because I'm not working with you currently, one of the best executives and collaborators I have been fortunate enough to work with. Mm-hmm. So welcome, oh. Jason. See, I think you entered this wrong because I'm the lucky one. You know what else is the lucky one? I'm the lucky one. I haven't Aww. gotten to see your gorgeous faces in so long, and this is making me very happy. Oh, I, th- oh, I think the last time I saw you was at the Abbey. Yes, that might have happened. Perhaps. We're both of you perhaps having a cocktail or two. Remember when we were allowed to have cocktails or seven outside? <laughs> yes. <laughs> outside of our own homes. <laughs> we were yeah. allowed to. Remember when we could drink enough that we had no problem calling an Uber? No, oh, I miss Ubers, you guys. I haven't been in because you know I gave up my car for quite some time, so I was relying on Ubers. Um, and now the thought of getting in the back of an Uber—I don't know who was just in there before me. Is there a divider? Are they are they sanitizing properly? I just I could I wouldn't do it. Honey, yeah. travel with a can of Lysol. Spray the car down <laughs> the back of the driver's head. Just spray it all down. Get in Anything. and grab it. The windows open. You'll be like, fine. As if it were a mouth uh, <laughs> mouth uh, wash. Just squirt it anywhere. <laughs> you can see how much we've missed you. I know. Well, let's get the gang all back together and just make our old show again. That'd well, that's an that's an offline conversation. We are con- <laughs> no, yes. literally. Every day on my Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, all it is is when is Fashion Police coming back? Yes. Literally. Yes. Every single day I get that question. So we know there's an appetite for it. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm drinking out of my don't be a fashion mug as we speak. So, yes. Mm, okay. On. But I want, while you're here, I mean, we know what you do, but you are one of, and I, I mean, I want to say masterminds. But you are one of the most prolific executives when it comes to reality television. So first off, I mean, I know, explain to people what you do, how you got in the business and why you have, I mean, you have major shows on your resume. 
I mean, uh, yeah, I, I've been, me, keeping up with the Kardashians, 90 Day Fiance, blah, 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 blah. So first off, explain to people what you do. So I am what people would call a suit, even though I never wear one. Um, and I am an executive who works at a television network and I get the very blessed role of being the guy who works on the team that takes pitches, comes up with crazy ideas and oversees the inception of this, this idea until it becomes a television show. And that's pretty much simply what I do. Um, gets into the weeds in terms of all of the, the mucky work, but that is the aspirational version of what I get to do. And it's in, in the reality genre. Yes, primarily reality shows, yeah. So anything, like you said, you know, I, I cut my teeth at E! when we worked together, uh, you know, over a decade ago at this point um, and did Kardashians and Girls Next Door, but also great comedy shows because I wouldn't call the show we did together a reality show as much as I'd call it a comedy show. So The Soup, Fashion Police, Chelsea Lately at the time. Um, and now I'm working at, over at TLC, which um, I can proudly say is the number one network for, for women and, and people, quite frankly. So it's been a good run. And the pandemic has blown the doors off a lot of your franchises. I'm thinking of 90 Day Fiance, which yeah, my you know, friend Matt, which is my friend Matt Sharp's show. The, yeah. So I wouldn't call that my show in any way, shape or form. That is Matt Sharp's show. Um, but you Matt bought is, it. Yeah. Well, no, I didn't buy it. So, so it predates me. 90 Day Fiance, the original show started now, I want to say five years ago. And uh, my boss, Howard Lee, who's you want to talk about a mastermind. Um, that man is brilliant. And he bought that show off Matt's pitch. Um, and I've been the lucky person who's gotten to help kind of architect the the massive expansion that it's gone under, um, you know, with the help of the folks over on the production department who make the show. But it has been, you know, what started as one little reality show is now what we call the 90 Day Fiance universe. It's our Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> wow. How... I, I don't know why I don't know this. How did you get started in the business? You know, I, so it goes, uh, I was that um, latchkey kind of severely overweight kid who um, parented myself by watching television ad nauseum. And um, my mother and father were great. I'm just saying I, I watched a lot of TV. Um, and so I've always been incredibly, incredibly devoted to, to the world of television. So I went and studied um, television production at um, Boston University. And as luck would have it, there had been an internship open at E. Um, and the young woman who had had the internship prior to me was one of my very best friends. And she said, they don't want to even interview. We were just talking about you and they just kind of want to have you take over the internship. And that internship evolved into a career. Um, I, you know, I was Lisa Berger's intern who, you know, we know and love. And she had what is my role now at TLC. She had that role at E when I started. I'm going to stop for one second. This yeah. isn't going to be filmed, Coop. Jason Salernis, you knew you when I, was I pregnant with him when we first met? No, but he was, yeah. his, uh, his, now he's like a very tall. I don't like how tall Cooper is. Oh, he, he's saying how tall you are. <laughs> yeah, I grew, he's, I grew a little bit. He's yeah. 20. Unfreaking believable And he like, tells, towers over both of us, not just Goodbye. Melissa because yeah. she's a dwarf, but me too. Oh my God, you're so mean. When, okay, if, if Cooper's <laughs> towering over Sabrina, that's yes, really he is. freaking- he is. Because I think around age seven, he was towering over Melissa. So. Okay, <laughs> okay, see, we, we go back. We got history, baby. Oh. We do. Anyway, we're back. Okay. So you, were, you started as an intern for yeah. Lisa Berger. Yes, Lisa. So Lisa, you know, had been kind of 
come up through the MTV ranks and had worked at Fox. And she really was one of the very first executives to go over to E and really shake and rattle the cage and say, we need to do things differently. And it was the first time that E started buying shows from the outside world and not just producing them internally. And that was the regime I came up under, both her and Ted Harbert. And in that time, you know, I was very, very lucky that one of the first shows I, I developed underneath them went on to become Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And when you've got the number one show on the network and one of the biggest shows in reality TV, you, you kind of get to do a lot of things that you want to do. And so one of the things I absolutely was dying to do, more, more as a fan even than as an executive, was to get to work with you. And that's how... That all came full circle. and Well, not me. With my mom, I was like the plus one. But we ended up having fun. I ended up being a great plus one. A great executive (laughs) producer and on-camera talent. But yeah, I was was a plus one. but, But frankly, I mean, to be the plus one, to get to work with your mother was such a huge honor and a huge learning curve. I mean, to talk about how do you learn how to make TV, to learn from her, I mean, priceless. Absolutely priceless. Yeah, I, I always refer to it as the school of Joan. Yeah. and But you know what? And what was so crazy to me, because obviously, you know, this is a woman that I'd look up to my entire life. And then to get to work with her, what, what made, there's so many things that made your mother spectacular. But one of the most incredible things was even in her, at the time, what, late 70s? And as somebody who had done broadcast, cable, documentary films, scripted everything under the sun successfully she still took time to learn from us mm-hmm. you know, she's yeah. always a student she never felt like she had mastered it because i think if she ever felt she truly mastered it she'd be done and she was never going to be done never. so mm-hmm. that collaboration i mean i'm just so grateful for. but we were we were all even though this we're doing like the mutual admiration fan club here and then i've got a ton of questions for you um but we were also very lucky we were very lucky our first time at e with yes being fortunate enough to be part of the creation and development of the red carpet and taking it to where it was when we left, which is you invented a whole you invented genre. A whole genre and then, and then also, and left them. <laughs> and then, you know, and then also at that time we did start Fashion Police as well, which also, which people don't remember, spun off some other shows. Yeah. So that was, you know, it was it was a very it was very creatively. It was a very, um, uh, it was a little bit of a lightning in a bottle moment where all these pieces kind of came together. And then when we left and then when we came back, who had the, I mean, and we came back just to do award shows at fashion police and I wasn't talent. I was just behind, I was just, you know, one of the executives on it, but we came back and then you were, you were the one who said, let's go weekly. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, we, you had come back and started doing the, the quarterly specials, you know, right. tied to these big temple events. And in watching that, the, the best content there had nothing to do with the award show. It had everything to do with the camaraderie, the, the chat, the, the, the gossip, the fun, and, and let's face it, the comedy. And you don't need a temple event to make great mm-hmm. comedy. You need a brilliant mind. And we had that. Um, and I think it was, our head of talent, who you know very well at the time, um, Blythe Asher and I were taking a lot of talent generals and just trying to see, you know, who should be the, the next generation of faces for the network. And we took a talent general with Kelly Osborne. And she came in, 
chatted away. And at some point, having no idea that in the back of our minds, we really wanted to blow out Fashion Police and make it into this, this cornerstone for the network. She started talking about her grandma, Joan. And I remember thinking, A, I don't know if that's at all true, but if that's true, if there's a relationship at all there to mine, let's go. And, and it was, that was kind of the moment where we're like, oh, we have to see if we can make, and frankly, even if, as you, as you just laugh, like, no, it wasn't, it ultimately ended up being such a beautiful, 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 amazing chemistry and amazing, still and amazing related. I mean, Kelly and I always joke that we're sisters, you know what I mean? And um, yeah, I think, you know, Kelly, when she loves someone, whether she's met them for once or met them a hundred times, you are family. And, oh, yeah. they, you know, and, and she'll really- fight you like family and love you oh, like family. Yes. Oh, but that, yes, yes. But I, oh, yeah. and the best is we all became so much. Fun. I got calls from Sharon when she was mad at Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely was an unhealthy, incestuous relationship. On that show. We um, all were. But I want to go back to reality shows because we yes. could go on and on about yes. each other forever. But I think people are really fascinated. The first thing I always find, explain to people the process of pitching and getting a reality show to air. Sure. Or at least I mean, not to air, but to production. To, to, to make it happen, yeah. yeah. So I think for the most part, most reality show pitches tend to come in, and I'm gonna, reality is a huge medium with so many subgenres, but talking kind of about that, like E, TLC, Bravo, VH1, those, those docu-soap realities, because I think that's basically what yes. people- Yes, docu-soaps. Is, it's, it really tends to be all about characters. Um, and so very often, uh, whether it's internally, like my whole team and I will get together and read a bunch of articles and say, hey, I think there's a world here where there might be a group of interesting characters. Or somebody like a Matt Sharp, who is the executive producer of 90 Day Fiance and a good friend of, of Melissa's and myself, um, will go and try and find these people. And really just, you got to prove that there are these people out there that represent the idea. So um, for for a show like, I don't know, uh, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, you know who those characters are, their names in the title. Um, but on a show like 90 Day Fiance, you might go and spend weeks and weeks and weeks casting to see, are there people out there who have a K-1 visa where their loved one has never entered the country? And what are those people like? Get them on Skype, talk to them, see what they're like. And the, that will come in as what we call a pitch tape usually about three to five minutes in length that just gives you a sense of the world of the show and samples of what the characters who populate that world are like. And from there, um, someone on my team will take that meeting and, and see that world. And then if they like it, they bring it to me once a week and we all get together and we go through all the pitches we've heard that week, anywhere from, you know, 20 on some weeks to 50 on another week and, and start dissecting and say, do we think there's something there? And if we do, then we start the development process. And that development process can quickly take, you know, two months or it could take up to a year and a half of really digging in and kicking the tires on the concept. What will that show ultimately become? And from after that, if we like it enough, and we meaning the royal we of TLC, um, we'll greenlight it and you'll have a series on the air. Well, you know that everybody thinks that their life is a reality show. All honestly. too well, Sabrina. Yes. Don't I know it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But with that being said, what do you really think makes for good TV? I mean, obviously the the colorful characters and some of the stories, but I mean, just listening to you going through these pitches and 
you know, really trying to decide, you know, out of a hundred pitches, like what really, you know, stands front and center for you when you go, you know what, that is going to work. That is going to, that's a good formula. I think the very first thing, and I'm, I look for is, is there a point of relatability and authenticity? Are these people genuine in what they are? They might not be like me. And ideally they're not like me if it's going to be good TV. Um, But they're so unapologetically themselves. And that was the beginning with keeping up with the Kardashians was really a family story. Without a doubt. You know, it wasn't about glamor and this, it was a, a family. Yes. I mean, and, and they glamour, the glamour really came later, right? Yeah. It was, that was our kind of messed up weird look at the Brady Bunch or leave it to Beaver, you know, this kind of family sitcom where they just do things very differently than your average family. Let's see. And- I think that that's what made the Kardashians or at least all of us thought or still do so believable because you felt that they're, they were genuine. When exactly. the show first started, you really felt like there was, you know, genuine love, genuine care, just the conversations and then life. And then we got to watch those characters evolve into the megastars that they've become, you know, and worldwide. And I think that's, that takes me to the second thing that we're always looking for is what's the story engine? Like if you have a great group of characters and they're authentic, but there's nothing happening in their lives... You know, there's no show to be done there. So we look for, is there, are this group of characters or the world we're exploring at an inflection point where stuff's going to happen? And so you're always looking for that because, you know, we're not in the business of doing a one-off special. We want a show to go, you know, three, four, five, ten seasons if we can. The problem is most people's lives, when you get back, everyone thinks that their lives are reality shows. And even in families that do reality shows, I think people realize, first of all, you're shooting for a very compressed amount of time and everything is, is, is a day on the show is probably over a week in real life because nobody is doing so many things. Like, for example, we're in the middle of a move, which would be a great couple episodes. But after that, it's like, well, there's just not that much going on. I go to work, I do this, I do that. And yet, you know, I, I don't think people get the sense. And I mean, and I, and I, by the way, and I have full, as you know, respect for the Kardashians. What's funny to me is now, because it's so much just eye candy, nothing really happens in the episode. Like one thing happens. My mom used to always say she was so jealous because there were so damn many of them. Someone always had something going on. But that's by design. Yes. So think about it. Look at that, that just the women alone on that show. You've got every generation covered. You Mm -hmm. know, Chris is, is a boomer. You've got Gen Z, uh, um, I'm sorry, Gen X with Courtney. And then you've got millennial with uh, Chloe. Then you've got zoomers with the, the younger girls. And who knows what these children are going to turn, you know, grow up to be in terms of their media presence. So you've got an entry point for everybody. And then you've got family dynamics of people who are different life milestones. So you've got the marriages coming up, the babies that are inherently going to be born, starting new businesses, investing in Dash. So that's what I mean about Story Engine. There's enough going on that we knew we could populate episodes with stories um, and didn't have to fabricate things, you know? And a lot is fabricated. Yeah, well, I think I wouldn't. Well, okay, not on that show. I'm just saying, like I know show. on I know on our show, 
Yes, but you were you were a comedy show. I mean, again, yeah, like, I mean, know, it was think, it was hyper reality. And I think exactly, but I do think even in hyper reality, even in those types of shows, the shows that are best are the ones where you're crafting a hyper real situation, but real emotions play out. Correct. So, so yeah, of, of of course, there's moments in in a family sitcom like a Chrisley's or a Kardashians where they know that they're going to end up having dinner and discussing blank. But when they inherently get in that scenario and they're talking about, you know, um, how upset they were that somebody uh, was rude to another person, they can't help but let those emotions come to the surface and have a real authentic conversation. And I think that's the best reality talent and kind of lose themselves in that real moment. And so you can actually see, I, I'll never forget when we were working on Kendra um, and Kendra was a show we did at Eve way back in the day, but Kendra was one of Hugh Hefner's ex-girlfriends. She left the mansion and she was living life on her own. And when she got pregnant, she was terrified, terrified that her mother was going to have a very bad reaction to her being 21 years old and kind of changing her whole life into this kind of domestic you know, uh, bewitched type of thing. And so she would only tell her mother on camera that she was pregnant because she felt like she knew the storyline needed an ending. And if in real life she told her off camera, who knows when her mother would kind of forgive her or, or speak to her again, but she knew right. she shooting a reality show, they'd have to have some sort of making up and, and making it all work. And I just thought that's a great reality talent. Who knows? Yeah. Let's, let's use our moments of real life and have genuine conversations, but let's do it on camera. What do you think gives people the, the now, I mean, now everybody wants a reality show. Everybody's yeah. on TikTok. Everybody's on Instagram and blah, 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 blah. Um, and you go back, it goes back to, to casting and it goes back to great characters. Yes. Because every, like I said, everybody thinks their life should be a show. When do you know, and I know we're talking about like family, dynamic, when does someone walk into a room and you go, got it, done. It I think, I think it has so much to do with, with the concept that they're in, right? So a show like, um, I remember when we first saw um, the Chrisleys and Chrisley knows best at, at, um, when they were pitching that show. And you just watch that reel and you go, oh my God, they, they can't help themselves. Every word coming out of their mouth was comedy gold, but they didn't even seem to know it. So you were just instant. When we're casting some of our shows on TLC, you know, these are a lot more cinema verite obdocs about these corners of the American life that you don't even know exist. Right. And so sometimes you're not looking for the most over-the-top, crazy, loud, big character. You're just looking for a really authentic, interesting person whose journey I want to watch. So I think it has a lot to do with the show. You know, if, if, if you're casting The Real Housewives of Blank, um, you're going to look for a very different dynamic person. You're going to look for somebody who's not uh, averse to conflict, right? You want somebody who really wants to push other people's buttons. Um, you're probably looking for somebody who's hungry, right? Who has that yearning for fame and the spotlight. Um, and that's a very different value proposition than when we're casting the next season of 90 Day Fiance. For but yeah, because every when they do cast a show like uh, uh, Real Housewives, the characters are sort of slotted. In you Without need the bitchy one, the nice one, the one going through the divorce, the newlywed, the you know the one yeah. who's going to find out. And all, how far out in advance are some of these storylines scripted? You know yeah, that 
especially with something, and I'm not saying the Real Housewives exactly, but something like the Real Housewives, where this there is a big season arc. I think, well, when you're doing that show right, you have no idea going into shooting episode one what episode seven's going to look like. If you're on the good seasons of that show, right? Right. And so, um, so I think you're always able because we're, we're, we're media companies. We're investing millions of dollars to make these shows. We have to know something's going to happen. You can't just completely go in blind. So you're always looking for the tentpole life events. Um, whether it's, you, for instance, like you said, you might cast someone into a Real Housewives who's just freshly engaged. So all of a sudden, I don't care who you are, you know, okay, I'm going to get wedding planning. I know I'm going to get a moment where she's going to have to ask somebody to be a bridesmaid or not. Um, which is a story, right? If she asks one of the other cast members to be a bridesmaid, great story. If she chooses not to, also great story because then you have them all talk about why she didn't choose them. So there's certain things that are just going to inherently happen that those are the temples. So if if I'm casting somebody who's about to get, uh, who's freshly engaged, I'm hoping my production calendar is going to get me all the way through to that wedding. And so now I've got all of this spine of a story to tell. And then the great stuff is the stuff I had no idea that, totally derails the spine that we put in place. So that, that's kind of the way to, to look at it, I think. Do you have moments of crisis? And if so, like which television show that you recall where it was like, oh my God, we had a tornado or we had someone have a miscarriage or it was from a production standpoint, because we know these things happen, especially you know, as you're, you know, in the process, like you said, life happens. It's a constant crisis. Mm. Making reality TV is constantly managing different levels of crisis. And some of those crises can be as small as cast members who really don't want to shoot a scene with one another. You know, they're, they're just over one another. That's a small crisis because we'll figure that out. But I mean, look at what happened in 2020 production halted across the board. I mean, the whole thing was one one big crisis. Um, so I, I think way more so than my counterparts in scripted, it is a constant um, reaction to different forms of crisis and trying to always be nimble enough to pivot when necessary. So, you know, I, I, I very distinctly remember this wasn't a, a crisis per se, but, you know, when we started... Um, the very first spinoff of Kardashians, which was Courtney and Chloe take Miami, that was that they had both recently broken up. The whole the whole marketing campaign, everything was about these two single girls taking Miami. It was our Sex in the City type of spinoff. Right, I re- I remember it. Yeah, and within a few weeks, Courtney's pregnant. Like it, the whole show completely sh- shifted focus. It was m- a much better show for it, um, and it was real and it was authentic. Um, but that was kind of a way we had to pivot everything we had envisioned around that show. And um, when that fir- phone call first comes in, yes. <laughs> what's your? <laughs> at which point do you just go fuck, well, or go was, face down on your head, or put your head down on your desk? Well, that was a tricky one because I was actually in the field for that, and we were out in the field, and I saw um, that you know, there was a moment where everybody was kind of cheersing. I was like, Courtney's not drinking. Why isn't Courtney drinking? (laughs) Um, 
You're like something, something's going on here, and then you have somebody, you have somebody waving in the air a pregnancy test. (laughs) So exactly. So that was one of those moments where I was uh, low man on the totem pole at that point. So that's why I was the one who was schlepped all the way out to the field. And I remember Courtney saying, "Okay, here's the deal. Um, Everything you guys thought the show was going to be, everything I thought the show was going to be, it's not." because my life has taken a different direction. Um, but at that time, you know, n- a news item on the Kardashians, people would, you know, sell that stuff. The idea that the, we had the first Kardashian actually pregnant was crazy. Um, and so I will never forget her saying, and if anybody from E! finds out, I will personally kill you. <laughs> um, when we're ready to tell the network, we will tell the network. Uh, but you cannot, at least know you can't let Ted know. <laughs> Trust us. It's going to be a great story, but you cannot tell anybody. But what oh, do you do? You had to keep that under your hat. Yeah, what oh did my you gosh. do? That's a, by the way, that's a moral dilemma. It is. It's a bit of a moral dilemma, but you know what? I think that one of the things I learned very early on, and I learned this from the executive producers of the Kardashians, if the talent can't trust you, then you've got nothing. You've got nothing to, to, to work from. So I just figured, listen, I trust them. So the only way that th- this is going to work is if they can trust me. So I didn't say a word until Courtney was ready to tell a, a bigger group of people and that involved the network. I figured at the worst case scenario, what I'm going to get a slap on my wrist from the network because I held back a little bit of information that was important to them. But if, it, if I had done the opposite, if I had betrayed the trust with our on-camera talent, then I was ruining a much longer uh, right. length of my career. You took a step back and looked at the bigger picture. Like, yeah. this could be a major catastrophe. How do we just have this work? Like you said, it's being flexible enough to just kind of say, okay, what, what really needs to be done here? What do we really need to address? Yeah, and, and we're in the business of making reality TV shows. If we as a network can't pivot to, to amazing real story that was celebrated, I mean, that's the best. I'm giving an example of something very cheerful that happened. Um, but, you know, I remember at the, the same time, it was a very similar time. And, and sadly, across the aisle at Bravo, you know, you had a, a cast member who, who died because of a suicide. And so, you know, you've, you've just got to be constantly able to take the good and unfortunately the bad. That's what makes you great. That one, that's what makes me crazy. (laughs) I have no no sense of stability in my life whatsoever. No, but you have always had this humbleness. And like you said, you know, where it's easy to trust you. You, you make it very easy. You really, really do because you're that person. Well, thank you. You know, it's funny. I think with one of my colleagues now who had been my boss at TLC before she left to go over to uh, run the Discovery Network, um, Nancy Daniels, one of the things we kind of bonded on was we both, even though none of us uh, are using it for its intended purpose, um, the alcoholic's prayer is so important. Like, what are the things that I can actually control versus the things I can't control? (laughs) Let me focus on the things I can control. And anything else that I can't control, just don't worry about it. And ignore her. By the way, ignore her. I'm ignore laughing her. so hard ignore because her, it takes me back to fashion. Just but how many? Her. Well, on so many levels. <laughs> so, but, so many levels. But any given day, like if, if someone's going to oh. you know, destroy fashion police out, out in the press because of some stupid, like, can we control what that person said? No. No, I'm so talking well, about. I'm talking week. about all my cast members. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, <laughs> that was endless crisis. Yeah. Endless crisis. Like the day that my mom was mad and flushed the t- keys to the dressing room down the toilet. 
not yeah. realizing that we could still open the door. <laughs> you guys had some pretty epic fights, I gotta say. I, I like Ooh. it was it was some good times. I, there was one. This is one of my favorite favorite days. Was most of the time we would shoot the show on a very consistent basis, but there was yes. one time that you guys flew out, did an entire day of Joan and Melissa. So you flew out in the morning, mm-hmm. did an entire day shooting Joan and Melissa, and then we shot our show at night. And it was like, for some reason, you and your mom just were not, it wasn't working that day. It, you were not <laughs> happy with each other that day. No. And and the the taping was going for like, normally we'd knock out oh, that show in an hour. it was forever. 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 I, we had hit already midnight. And but I, not because I, of me or anything no, I was doing. I, no, no, no. I remember. <laughs> no, no I, nope, I, let me tell you. Why it was, was it running so long? It was a freaking nightmare. Why? Everything like, it was a standoff between you and your mom for just something silly. And I think that probably because we had been shooting all day. All day. We used to do that, so, by the way, all the time. All, yeah, we would we shoot would, in the morning and then go general. But this particular one, I remember. It burns. <laughs> it burns in the front right here. I remember. I don't even remember what, And it. I will tell you, and here's oh. a moment that, that to <laughs> me was such a teachable moment for me about how, how great talent should be. So at the end of the episode, we're like way past midnight at this point. Everybody's exhausted. You know, Melissa, bless you. I don't even know how you were running uh, the studio at that point. And um, Lisa Bacon, the incredible, incomparable Lisa Bacon, who I love so much, was we were in the control room. She was a co-executive producer with uh, Melissa. And at the end of the episode, we would always do these internet jokes. These Whatever jokes didn't make the oh, show, maybe 10 yes. or 15 of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joan would stare down the barrel of the camera and rattle them out. And we'd, we'd put them up on social media. And I remember Lisa looking at me and said, do we have to do the internet jokes this week? And I just go, <laughs> no, no, let's just put everybody out of the room. Let's just go home. And it came time for the internet jokes. And I remember your mom coming over loudspeaker, where are my internet jokes? And we, we go over the PA month, don't worry about it this week. She goes, don't you tell me not to worry about the internet jokes. They're for my fans, they're not for you. Oh, and she was we're always gonna make, ready. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do those internet jokes. And I was like, God, she's so much smarter than all. Of, of course we have to do those internet jokes. It's 10 minutes of our time, but it's a, it's a promise she made her viewer. And we can never, ever break our promise with the viewer because no. Ted Harper's not my boss. The viewer is my boss. Right. And it was such an important moment. She was adamant. What were, I hope our standoff did not cause us to run so late. I think with our cast of characters. Okay, now see, here she goes. I think with our cast of characters, it could have been any of us. It was was all of you guys. The the beauty of that cast and and you as a part of it was it was one plus one equals seven. In the good ways, but also the bad ways. When things sure. went off the when things, when things went, went off, off the, the rails, yeah, sure. they went off the rails. Yeah, sure. Exactly. But that because that's what happens with family. Yes. I yeah. remember one time my mom was having such a big argument with someone, and I had completely given up. And this is a long time ago. And I was pregnant with Cooper. Um, I actually we had remember we had those like walk-in closets that were like up on this. I got into the closet and shut the door. <laughs> And you know what? I didn't let her out. So I, I couldn't take else. it anymore. <laughs> Keep Whatever coping the- mechanism works. I could, it was with, it, it was with another, it was with a, an, it was with a coworker right. from another part of our lives, not from E. Yeah. No, but I know, I, I mean, we you- always, I used to get, I mean, the joke is, you know, 
well, I mean, just going back to fashion police, is how many times my mother would say and do things that we knew were going to get Uh-oh. us in trouble. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, I have a confession. Oh, years in the making. Years in the making. And you may have may have known this. Do you know that we used to put jokes purposely in the script so that you and legal affairs would have things to take out? No, you out? probably did. Of Lisa, course I knew this. Lisa probably did. <laughs> did I you tell know, Lisa you that? can't hold no. water. It was so blatantly <laughs> obvious. <laughs> so we had, so we had, so we had, so, so we, so we had like tradesies. Like, okay, you can take out that one, but then we get to keep the real one we wanted. Well, and I have to, I, I, I hope that if I was doing my job right, there were very, I can remember maybe a handful of times I ever gave you guys a note on comedy or, or on a line you couldn't say. That, it, was I always, more legal, it was more legal that yes. we did that for, that we would do, we would hide, we would hide, hide Easter eggs you got in to. the script. You got to, because, because frankly, if, if, if something's a blazing conflagration, you don't notice the small fire to, to the right of it, right? So, but if, if you don't have the conflagration, you're going to focus on, on the lighter somebody's holding. Sure. So I know there smart. were times when I would look at the show or be on the floor and we would do or say something and I just knew it was going to make air, but I knew it was just going to be a shit storm. But, that's the beauty of it. it I agree be. with you, Jason. You used, everyone would have it on in their offices from the main feed in the studio. Was there, I'm sure there were moments where you just all of a sudden looked up and went, oh, fuck. You, you know, the uh, the only times, and this was true of you guys and the soup, um, Chelsea's a different category, um, where the things that would give me agita is when I knew that I was going to get a call from other talent on the network right after <laughs> and oh, say, really, did you have to pick to, on me? Right. We, yeah. we did. To, we used to go through that all the time. I know, but you're not the one, uh, everybody, you never want to be the network executive who's accused of playing favorites, even though I right. absolutely right. had my favorites. I never missed a taping of your guy's show for that right. reason. Um, we also had really good food. Yeah, yeah. I okay, know. and in all fairness, Jason, if the shoe were on the other foot, Melissa would have been calling you too. If there were, you know, what do you jokes mean? Oh, she did. Okay. <laughs> we had lots of conversations. Listen, I just wanted to make it clear, you know. <laughs> oh, we had lots of we had and and with Lisa and with Blythe, who also both work on this podcast. The whole team's together again. Oh, we spent lots of time. We, we there was one of our talent who had. This is when Blythe was pregnant. Um, and we had one of our talent giving all of us a rash. And I finally called the agent and got into it with that talent agent who was just like, let Blythe deal with it. I'm like, you can't make a pregnant woman do that. <laughs> so we all used to take a, 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 a heaping for each other. That's yes. for sure. But I want to yeah. get back. But we protected our show. We loved our show. Yeah. We love, love still all our fans. So we knew what we needed to do to make it work, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the hard parts of being a network executive in general is that you have to give your show 110%, but also have the ability to step back and be a part of the network and see the bigger picture. Because right now, every show on TLC is in some way, shape, or form my baby, right? We love all our shows equally, but we're also running a business and have to make some some difficult business decisions. What do you think is happening with 
the red carpets. I mean, I have my opinion on the, you know, having been one of the first people standing doing what we did, especially going live, on what it's morphed into. And, I mean, not can it ever come back. That's a whole separate conversation. I feel like, and this is no disrespect to anybody who covers it, who produce, I still, I'm sure they're thrilled, call the truck when they're live on E! to give notes. Like, I'm sure they're, the executives I still talk to, I'm sure they're I'm sure. thrilled that I call and say, you're late with the Chiron coming up. I'm sure they're really happy <laughs> that I'm, all these years later, I'm not only not on the red carpet, I'm not one of the producers of it, but apparently in my head, I still am. I think one of the biggest problems that the red carpet had, and and, and honestly, without knowing it at the time, creating Fashion Police as the weekly show helped kind of navigate around this problem is you guys created a monster. And I think the the shows, the, the red carpets started as an entertainment show and then became a business. And mm-hmm. when that business became sanitized and brand friendly and integrated, and more importantly, when publicists came around, like when you first started, there weren't even stylists, let alone no. the, the whole publicity arm of, I can't, if I'm on a worse dress list, it's going to dock my client's ability to get this brand deal. And it just became so sanitized that in a weird way, us creating Fashion Police was our, our escape patch. We got out from what I think became not nearly as interesting a show. And it, and it became that, safe. We always became, say, my owners say, it became safe. It you became, weren't allowed to have fun anymore. And and then that safeness became a self-fulfilling prophecy in that now it was this exalted show. And I'm not talking about E, I'm talking about across all oh, the is across different the, venues that cover it. Yeah. Like as if it were a shrine and a temple. It's like, no, the person looked like a wackadoodle because they wanted some extra attention. And it's okay to call them out on that. It's okay to have right. fun with it. Yeah, they, because it's about the wardrobe, not the person. It's about the wardrobe and it's about... Hollywood, the glitz, the glamour, the the farceness of it all. And if you can't take the piss out of that, what can you take the piss out of? And I think that's where I the red carpet just lost its way for me. Because remember, people used to come to the red carpet to make a scene, to cause a, a stir, to say something to one of you guys on there. Couldn't, would they be, couldn't wait to oh, talk to my mom. Yes. And they would say, what do you think? And as my mom and I used to say, when people get really pissed off, Oh, I'm sorry that we didn't like one of the 20 gowns you've worn during award season that you did not pay for. Yeah. That, yeah. You've, that you're only going to wear for maybe six hours. With exactly. And, and, and as, and if, it says nothing about you as a person. It just didn't right. work. Yes. And it's, and it's okay to enjoy the dress up, the pageantry and the fashion of it all. I think and people started complaining about, I hate the red carpet. It's like, oh my God, do you realize how lucky everyone is? Yes. And they complained. And then to me, it was so eye-opening. Every statement that came out, um, rightfully so, after the sad passing of your mom, all these people who uh, you know, didn't want to be criticized. No, they were saying it was such an honor. Yeah. And that's, I'm like, that's what the show was about. It was it's fun. like being roasted. It's it's an honor to be roasted. It's not a bad thing. So I, I'm thrilled that we got to escape some of the the more self-seriousness of what the red carpet became. Or as I call it, self-indulgent. Yes. 
it behavior. Is. I want to go back to reality before we let you go. Sure. Take all the time you want with me. Oh, we love, well, well. sailor. <laughs> um, if you could create, okay, I, I want to go backwards. What show were you pitched that you passed on that you regret? Um, I can honestly say the only show I passed on, I was forced to pass on that I totally regretted. Um, and that was a show called, um, uh, here in the States, we called it eventually People's Couch, but originally in the UK, it was something called Gogglebox. And I remember taking that pitch and saying, this is genius. This is the next evolution of the soup, best show possible. Um, and it was just people, real people on couches watching TV and filming people watching TV. And I just thought it was so meta and so interesting. And I absolutely loved it. Um, and I was told corporately that I wasn't allowed and I had to pass on it because they felt like Bravo should have it. And so I was forced to pass on a show and it is the only one um, to this day. I wasn't allowed to bid on Chrisley's, but it wasn't a pass. And I wanted that show. And ironically, many, many years later, now being at TLC, um, we started a show called Pillow Talk, which is uh, you know, a spiritual successor in many ways to what that show is and is doing killer numbers for us. Um, but that is the one that got away from me was, uh, was Gogglebox. If you could create the perfect reality show, the perfect, uh, what it, would it, what would it be? Oh, I mean, like, I know that for me, you have to have family conflict. You have to have weight reduction surgery. <laughs> You have to have a psychic. You have to have at least a female slut and a male slut. Or, or just, you know, I mean, like, what would be create? And, and then, you know, like, like uh, you know, what is it? Uh, the below deck. I Maybe they all need to be, like, in the Hindenburg. I don't know. <laughs> Jason, see, see, Jason, what she just said, this was code for how do we repurpose <laughs> our reality show? She just literally <laughs> described every, every aspect. So that's what she was saying in code. Well, interesting. <laughs> well, so my life was the Hindenburg. <laughs> so then who's the female slut in that version of love? Sabrina. <laughs> Not me. Oh, Sabrina plays a slut, but isn't one. She's one of those women who you're just like, no, come on, come on, come on. They're like, sorry, I'm going home to my husband. Bye. We, well, we yes. have drinks at the Abbey. I know Sabrina's not a Yes. Slut. And plus, Joan used to always make me talk with my tongue. Speak with your tongue, Saboom Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, is it so nerdy and Pollyanna to say I get to make all the best reality? I mean, look but no, at what, if you could like, put, what would be your ultimate all in one show? I, I, it's, I, I would be making it right. I mean, look at the 90 day fiance universe. It is everything you just said, it, except Hindenburg. We haven't done a hot air balloon on that show. Um, <laughs> you haven't done something where you've locked people into the Goodyear blimp. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Circled I, around. I, I think the, that show I, to me, still the best format of all time was American Idol. Season mm -hmm. one, season two of American Out was, it was drama. It was talent. It was great characters. It was, you never knew what was going to happen next because America voted the person. Absolutely the best format that has ever existed. So to me, that, that is it. I mean, I, I would just, I would go back in a time machine and sell that show and be a bazillionaire. Um, and, the, you know, I think this is going to sound so weird, but I look at 
our shows, even in season 10, I, I don't oversee Sister Wives. I wasn't around when we first made it, but the team that makes it, it had its highest rated season ever this season. Really? And, yes. Because I watched it, the first couple and then dropped off. But here's, so when I first joined TLC, it was four years ago, um, and it happened right, I, I chose TLC right after the election of our current president. Uh, Donald Trump. Not anymore. By the time not this a, airs, he's not going to be president By the time this anymore. airs, he will be our former president. And yes. part of why I joined was I wanted to understand a big, broad swath of America. And, I, you know, I, I live in L.A. I, I have a coastal elite background, as one would, would call it. But I wanted to understand the heartland, understand that middle American viewer. And I knew I made the right decision when about three weeks after I had joined, um, the sister wives had a scene where their eldest daughter came out to them as a lesbian. I remember this. And it was so insane to me that you had this very conservative, traditional family value group of people, the, the, the Cody and his sister wives. And then you have a young woman who they love, their daughter, who comes to them and says, I'm, I'm gay, I'm different. And where it hit me like, like a punch in the gut is their reaction was we know what it's like to have to march for who you love. And they went and marched with her in a pride parade because they had to march for their right to be polygamists. And I just thought, Oh my God, two total different ends of the spectrum, but they're having the same human experience. And that's the kind of stuff I'm lucky to get to work on. So you know, I couldn't have predicted that in a million years. So when you say, what's the kind of reality show I want to I want to make? It's those shows where I can't even tell you the great stuff that's going to come from them. You know, I, well, I, I couldn't predict it. That's amazing. Jason, yeah. Jason, you are the best. I miss you. I love you. I miss People you People shouldn't, don't realize that you are one of the great executives that oh. I've had the pleasure to work with and who, who really does know, know his shit, so to speak. And he, well, you, you really have a heart for what you do. I love really, it. You really, really do. And it, it shows. I'm lucky. Okay. The second that I don't wake up every day and go, oh, my God, how awesome is this? Is the day I should just done, go be a teacher, go do something else. Teacher probably the thing I would do next. Um, because if you don't love it so much, if you don't wake up and you're passionate about it every it's not worth our time, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is hard. It is it's boring. hard. People don't get it. And yeah. also what people don't know is shooting a reality show is exhausting. It's 13-hour days and you have to be emotional. The entire You have to be true and, and at an emotions razor edge for 13 hours straight. And you never know what's going to happen to you next. I don't know how you did it, Melissa. Like, I can be behind the camera all I want to be a true reality star. Whoever says that person doesn't have, quote, talent, they have no idea what they're talking about. It is such a hard thing to do. We love you. Thank yes, you so you. much for joining us. Love yes, you guys. Yes. Thank you for having love me. You. Bye. 